This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by Reese Ryan, who is a visionary entrepreneur and technologist with a unique blend of expertise in mathematics, computer science, and data analytics. He's been a driving force in the entertainment and sports sectors, launching groundbreaking systems and products that have really reshaped the industry. Reese continues to push the boundaries of what's possible at the intersection of AI and business today, so we are super excited to have him on the podcast. Welcome, Reese. Thank you, Jane. Thank you for having us. Super, super excited to have you on. Like I mentioned, something that I would love to kind of kick this off with is asking you a little bit about your background. You know, I know you have a bit of a background in mathematics and computer science. I'm wondering, how did this kind of approach your shape, you know, like shape your approach to entrepreneurship? And, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what brought you to where you are today? You know, I've never thought about it from that perspective of how in the world years of being tortured by calculus. (laughs) Um, I will tell you when I went to college back in the early eighties, there were schools with computer science accredited degrees. So you had to get a math degree to take computer science courses. And by the time I graduated, they had both. So I just ended up both with a math degree and a computer science degree. And I have a traditional computer science degree. So we had to take courses like compiler construction and Stuff that makes your hair fall out way too young. <laughs> really tough stuff. And, you know, I will say I pick on calculus. I hated calculus. It's uh, It was just, I just didn't get it. But linear algebra was my thing. Okay. And I don't know why, but it seemed to make sense. And I will tell you, two years after I graduated, I was in research for MCI, uh, which was a telecom company back in the day before your generation. And I had to come up with a way to integrate Wang and IBM computers. Mm-hmm. And so it took me three months and a bit of cryptography, but I wrote an algebraic formula that cracked the codes and allowed me to interconnect two computers that should never be allowed to talk. Okay. And, you know, you ask about how math plays into how I think about entrepreneurship. That experience taught me that not, nothing's impossible, although there are things that are impossible. But more importantly, you take a creative approach to finding solutions, Mm. you'd be amazed you could figure out. And we were told it was impossible and we did it. And I've always approached my career that way. And once I got into the startup world, my first big startup in the music and audio industry, we were told we can't do what we were going to do. And we did it and we were successful at doing it. That's super interesting. I think that's such such an important lesson that uh, really does set... You know, I've had this discussion with a handful of people, but I think really what sets successful entrepreneurs apart is is just that is uh, what some people say is impossible or you're not able to do. People are always going to shoot down your ideas and, and being able to kind of have the uh, the motivation, I guess, the uh, the the vision, uh, the grit to kind of overcome those objections and, and continue, I think, are really, really critical um, on that vein. And I know you, you just mentioned, you know, a project you work on, but I'm wondering if you know, if you can share maybe a, a pivotal moment in your career during the dot-com era that you think also kind of intro, 
in you know influenced your trajectory into the tech industry and, and kind of where you where you're going wow um there was one so basically I, i'm just trying to think how to best explain this um without coming across a little too odd even though i think most entrepreneurs would call themselves i wouldn't worry too much about that yeah <laughs> okay um i basically wanted to get out of a date okay so i came up with the excuse of i had to work that weekend <laughs> and i felt guilty about not working so i went into the office and i basically ripped apart a computer and i rebuilt the computer and integrated what now you would understand is voicemail but back then there it wasn't really voicemail like we know okay. it so i took a i took a telephony card and rewired it to create a streaming input for recording audio directly to playback on the internet and i created a whole product out of it and it went on to get used by mandy moore mariah carey the foo fighters and many other uh musicians and artists and bands out there so I turned my feeling guilty into doing something good to work and then ended up creating one of our biggest products at that company. That is right. And it, that is a, that is amazing. That's so funny. I absolutely love that story. Um, but, uh, yeah, I really think, you know, <laughs> despite the motivation, um, you obviously had the the vision and the direction, even from an early age, even inside a company, like to, to kind of build something like that. That's so that's so awesome. I absolutely love that. Um, so something I would love, you obviously have this super fascinating background. You've worked on so many, like I, I could probably talk to you for a couple hours about, you know, what you, what you've done and seen and all the, some, you know, the war stories pretty much. What I would love to ask you a little bit about now is, you know, what you're currently working on, um, with, with Echo Bar and, uh, you know, what problem this is really solving for customers. Sure. Um, so I spent many, many years in entertainment right? Going back to my, well, you know, the music industry was entertainment, but then I got into film and TV after the crash and we sold the first company. Uh, always loved film and TV. Went on to create a couple of companies that were hugely successful in that space. In fact, one of the technologies has been running for more than 15 years, wow. right? And it's used by all, nearly every scripted TV show and movie, uh, bought by a couple of different companies up the food chain. Mm -hmm. And so while I was working with one of the companies being HBO, um, I was doing some marketing research work because people wanted to understand social media analytics versus the data that was coming in, hmm. right? And back then there were multiple sources of the fire hose of social media data. So I was looking at the raw data and then looking at analytics going, something doesn't match mm -hmm. here, right? You've got all this good stuff in the data and yet they were talking about stuff that did nothing. Like how many counts, how many followers, how many likes, mm -hmm. what does that mean? It means nothing. Right. It's potential. Right. Right. I tend to deal in the world of reality, mm -hmm. right. And building things and building product. So I had this interesting idea and just like during the dot com period where I hit out over a weekend and built something while I wasn't trying to avoid a date, uh, I spent a couple of weeks doing some more algebra, writing some code and coming up with a theory about how to identify influencers from social media in a very different way, mm. right? Yeah. Very heavy mathematics. And oddly enough, I got a chance to try it uh, on HBO's True Blood and it worked. Okay. So from that, 
the producer of the show is a good friend of mine. It's like, you should turn that into a business. And now we have Echo Bar. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to provide something to an industry that I love. And I wanted to say, hey, look, stop thinking of social media as a throwaway. This isn't ancillary. Here's a post, here's a post, mm-hmm. here's a post, right? It is the largest data set in the world. And if we can figure out how to mine it, how to get answers from it, how to derive value and ROI from it, all of a sudden we can throw away social media analytics and replace it with data intelligence. Mm. And that's what we've done is we've built a platform and a series of products in Echo Bar that actually understands the data. It is designed for these complex ecosystems that have multiple moving parts, right? Both people and things for brands. And it understands the value of the data and how people are talking. And it's actually taken us five years to build this company, partly because we had to wait for technology to catch up, right? NLP and other AI technologies. Part of it was I needed to get better at data science and AI. So in my 50s, I went back to school and got my master's. Really? Right? Yeah. And I did it just to build this company because that's what entrepreneurs do. We know the problem we want to solve. We believe in our passion. We believe in the solution, you know, pen to paper and we get it done. That's super cool. Especially, you know, like you've done successful companies in the past. It wasn't like, you know, you, you felt like this is the only way you can get started on entrepreneurship. Like you've already done this journey, but I think you really saw, you know, an area where you wanted to increase your knowledge so you could make this, this company possible and successful. Something I would love to ask you about is like, you know, with, with Echo Bar, like what is the, what is like the thing that you think customers that use it are the most excited about? What is, you know, tell us a little bit about, of course, you're helping people to understand all the analytics for social media and whatnot, but like, what do, what do people really love about it? That's actually a hard question because it depends why you're using Echo Bar, right? So I will give you a really good example uh, of one solution. Uh, Remember when NASCAR banned the Confederate flag? Yes few years ago, we were building our stance detection AI. So there's sentiment, mm-hmm. right? Are people for or against? Are people, you know, happy or not happy? However you want to classify yeah, yeah, yeah. sentiment. The problem is sentiment. You can be angry about something, but still be for something, mm-hmm. right? So stance being for and against is different than sentiment. Mm-hmm. So when NASCAR banned the Confederate flag, we were building our stance detection. We were trying to figure a way to look at the conversation and go, are people for or against? Mm. And we couldn't use sentiment. Because someone because... could be super mad, like, I'm so mad the Confederate flag exists. And someone could be like, I'm so mad they're banning the Confederate flag. Right. So there's two sides of a conversation, both of an angry sentiment. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we did it. We built it. And we actually used it on NASCAR data. And when they banned the Confederate flag, everybody's like, oh, you know, it's the death of NASCAR. No one's going to buy tickets when it goes on single in three months, blah, blah, blah. Our software showed that 71% of the fans were for the ban. Mm. And then three months later, when tickets came on sale, poof, sold out. Mm. So looks like we were right. Uh, another example is showing how the value of someone on a TV show, such as the actor, uh-huh. can actually have an impact in social media to drive conversation about the show. Interesting. And we did a project for Fox TV. Okay. And we did uh, the first season of one of their new shows, one of their hot new shows. And one of the actors, who was a series regular, not a main actor, uh-huh. 
posted all the time about the show, what they were doing, how excited they were. And you could actually see how people talked about the show was more from what she did than from the series leads. Ah, I love In that. fact, the series leads had very few conversation about them. There was more about this character that was more like a second tier character, direct relationship to what she was doing. And so, you know, again, it depends. Are you trying to find a yes or no question? Naomi Osaka drops out of the French Open. Should Nike support her or not? Right? Mm. That's a stance question, right? Then you have a different problem, such as betting. So the Boston Red Sox had uh, Matt DeMurdy. Uh, forgive if I got the name last name slightly wrong. He joined the Boston Red Sox, pitched one game, and then was let go. Why? Two years earlier, he had some homophobic tweets on social media. Mm. The vetting in in sports doesn't really include a really in-depth vetting on social media. So we built a product that actually vets you not only by what you say, but by others are saying about you. We look at the imagery, the logos, the objects. We look at sexual issues, not safe for work, profanity, drug paraphernalia. And we look at all kinds of information. How is the media talking about you? How are sports broadcasters talking about you? And by integrating all this data together from outside social media, all of a sudden this data set becomes hugely valuable. Very, very interesting. Okay, this is fascinating, fascinating product and I can see some serious clear value, I think especially for corporations. Well, the first thing I want to talk about is the the actor actress um you know concept you brought up that you worked on with fox fascinating and i've often thought because so my background is in digital marketing i taught advanced digital marketing university so like that's kind of my my forte and so i'm so fascinated in this but something i've often thought about is you know today it would appear that well it wouldn't appear the reality today is that a lot of people get cast for movies because they have a big social media following, right? The the studio, the company knows that the movie is going to be have a higher chance of being successful if you know their at their main actresses or actors can you know do a big push and get a lot of audience, right? They're they're famous. What's interesting is for the for the last little while that has always been kind of measured in um, how many followers do they have, yada yada. And today, what you're mentoring with your software, which I think is so fascinating, is it's not how many followers you have. It's like how um, it's how like loyal your followers are, how real, right? A lot of people can fake followers and, and bots and like that kind of stuff. So it's like how how real they are, how loyal they are. And it's like kind of like a, a strength level where you could say like a second tier, you know, not main character could bring more people to a show Um because you know they have a more strong audience and you can detect that and tell a studio who's maybe making a decision about who to hire or use for x y and z purpose okay this person's going to be actually your best bet because they're going to pull in more viewers more fans etc so i think that's fascinating um i can do one better okay ready so we have what we call we've invented eight different types of ai to make our application work Okay. And they all used in various products in various ways. One of them is called impact AI. Okay. Okay. Two pieces. You talked about followers. Yeah. Right. And I will, I always say to people, followers count means nothing count. Yeah. Just because you have a million followers means nothing. We can actually detect audience reach. Mm. So in one of our projects, we found a person who had 11,700 followers. That's nothing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
but she's so well connected to the right people that when she posts about the topics that she cares about and those people care about, she gets over 10 million audience reach in her posts. Mm. Interesting. So someone who's getting 11,000 followers, you can pay them a few hundred bucks a month to post for you because it's not that much money. That person thinks it's a lot of money for 11,000 followers, but you know, and you can measure how far the audience really goes. The other thing we do is we determine what we call an echo score, which is a combination of influence and popularity. So we can determine how influential you are within the conversation and how popular you are. And one is about pushing in on the conversation to create influence. And the popularity is the reverberation out. And the mathematics we have let us determine who the exact right people are to engage in a conversation. I love that. That is, that's incredible. Um, you know, it reminds me a lot. So my last startup is called self pause. It's kind of like a positive affirmation meditation app. And, um, when we were doing marketing for this, you know, we would reach out to YouTubers was like our primary way of kind of promoting our, our app. And we saw like some really good success there, but it was so fascinating to me because I think I would see this exact concept uh, that you're referring to that you're discovering. And I feel like a tool like yours would have been phenomenal to have back then. I didn't have to do this. I kind of had to go off of gut and a few other metrics that I tried to figure out myself. A lot of trial and error and wasted money, 100%. But what I did find was um, there would be a lot of times where there's going to be an influencer with like 500,000 subscribers on YouTube. You know, you pay them a thousand, a couple thousand bucks to do a video and your ROI on that video would be like... $500, right? So you like didn't even make the money back in like immediate, like, you know, new users on the app the next day or whatever from what you spent. So it was kind of, you know, it's like, oh, well, that kind of sucks. I thought they were going to be big and then it didn't really work out very good. I I even had one where I spent like, you know, I I gave someone like $6,000 for like a video and got like, I think 500 new users, which was about a dollar a user. So (laughs) wasn't, wasn't good ROI. On the other hand, I had an influencer with you know, not, not 500,000 or a million, but 30,000, maybe it was like 20, 29,000 subscribers and uh, super cheap on um, like very, very cheap, got them to do a post. And like the next day, 1500 users came in, boom, and uh, ended up doing like, you know, I think 10 different collaborations with this person. So yeah, there is like some massive value there and people don't know how to find those, you know, micro influencers or like, it's, mm-hmm. it's like what you said, how popular they are how loyal their audience and what their real reach is because these other people, they might have a ton of subscribers, but like, you know, and every social media platform is different, but YouTube, it was like, they, maybe they had two videos go viral like four years ago and got a ton of subscribers, but these people didn't really stick around very much, you know? So super, super fascinating. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Talk to me a little bit about the AI that you are using to help facilitate some of these solutions. Well, as I said, we have eight different types of AI. We've implemented six out of the eight so far. Okay. Uh, one of them I find rather fascinating has to do with logos. Okay. So there's a number of off-the-shelf logo APIs out there. Uh, one is Google's Vision API, and it's just pretty well at about a 50% accuracy. Okay. The problem is I'm never happy with 50%. Okay. Right? I want to try to get to that 80-20 balance, yes. right? Which is in the, in the data world is good, mm-hmm. right? Especially in natural language. And so what we did was we wrote AI on top of AI. And you can look at the logos, and if you find one that's been miscategorized, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, 
you go in and say, well, this is really that. And then what it does is it retrains. And so now if Google detects the wrong logo, it knows how to tell Google to fix it automatically. So we actually have our AI provision and logos on, sitting on top of Google's AI. And so now I can get in the high 80 range for logo detection, there. which means it's much more accurate. And we're doing work for one of our newest clients, which is VeChain, a blockchain company. Yeah. Uh, great people, lots, lot of fun to work with, really enjoying them. Uh, they had Barbie show up in their posts. When people are posting about VeChain, you know, they had the Barbie thing, but they took Ken, Ryan Gosling out okay. and they put in an NFT, Mad, Mad V8. Okay. And then they just used it everywhere. They, they were like, they couldn't believe this. They were like, we would have never known this except by your software. And because of that, we're having fun with it now. And they're using it to help pre-promote, right? And get other, get a re-promote things out uh -huh. there. And so, you know, it's about ways of finding value to create new avenues of marketing and new ways of, of ROI making decisions. We have a monitoring and alerting subsystem component. So you can actually monitor posts in real time and go, uh-oh, something bad happened. Let's deal with it. So when J when John Murat posted the photo on Instagram with the gun, mm -hmm. right? He, if, if his agent had been a client, his agent wouldn't have got a text right away, seen the post, gotten Jada deleted, and maybe he wouldn't have lost $20 million in sponsorships, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, it's stop thinking of social media as posts. It's a data set. There's money in there. There's ROI. And if you can think the right way, you can really enhance and protect your brand. And the biggest challenge is retraining people to think that way because people think, oh, it's just posts. It's just mm -hmm. social media. And we have analytics. Yeah, it doesn't tell us anything. Of course, it doesn't tell you anything. That's why Echo Bar exists. Mm, fascinating. So interesting. Okay, so I do have a question um, regarding the the safety or perhaps the misuse and not necessarily even of echo bar, but maybe this technology, I would just love to hear your, your thoughts on it. So of course this is, you know, from a brand perspective, this is a no brainer. This is incredible. Every brand should, should be looking at tools like this, right. To really know what the conversation sentiment popularity around them and also like their partners. I think, like you mentioned, you know, partners can be a big issue. You don't control what your partners post. And so you, but you do want to be, you know, in the loop on all that. What I would be concerned about with this technology or other technologies, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, is this sounds good from a brand protection standpoint, but what if this turns into a governmental or military tool? And I'm sure the answer probably is that it already has and that it is. But, um, you know, to essentially control your population, like let's say a, com a country like China is using a tool like this to, you know, monitor what everyone's saying, the sentiment, what everyone's doing, and essentially to, you know, shut down conversations, shut down groups, shut down people, you know, like it sounds awesome from a brand protection, but from maybe like censorship or, um, you know, dictatorship side of things, which we do see AI going into those countries. What are your, what are your thoughts on where all this goes in, in that regard? I mean, bad actors are bad actors, right? Yeah. And we're, we're kind of irrelevant to bad actors, sort of, which I'll get to in a second, because okay. we do have something for that. You know, if, if, we don't sell to law enforcement. Okay. Okay. Um, we don't sell to the government per se. The political arena is very different, mm -hmm. uh, right? Because these are politicians and their campaigns. So we, we don't work in that avenue. And, you know, 
if you want to buy social media data, scrape social media data and use it in bad ways, you know, it's like copying cassette tapes yeah. back in the 80s and giving it to your friends, right? There's nothing you can really do yeah. about it. That being said, we are integrating technology to look for deep fakes mm, okay. and fake and fake news. Mm, very cool. So while I can't stop the bad actors, what I can do is help your brand protect yourself against the bad actors. And in fact, for the Flash movie, there were a bunch of video trailers on YouTube that were then taken, run through generative AI, and turned into porn snippets. Mm. And our software caught it. Wow. That's impressive. So now we did it on our own as a case study. Uh -huh. So we were not being paid by the studio that put out the Flash movie, right? Um, so again, we're fighting up her battles in entertainment because they think of social media as just a bunch of posts. Right. Right. But they're starting to figure out now that, wait a minute, there's something more here. Okay. There's a lot more. Here. Okay. This is so, so interesting. I, I really do need to get you on for like a, for like a two hour podcast one of these days. Cause I could, I could go in depth on any of these oh, topics. For I'm so sorry, but no, this is, this is fascinating. But one thing I did want, want to touch on real quick is talk to me about deep fake detection and AI detection. This is something that, um, famously open AI tried to work on like literally just an AI text detector. And they're like the number one yep. people that do this. They folded, they, they closed, they shut down the program after a handful of months. It's too hard or, you know, it's not what aligns with them, whatever it is. It wasn't actually very accurate, I think is the big problem with opening AI. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so like when, when people see that the signal is, oh, it's not possible to do open AI, shut down the program. It's not possible. I don't know the, the, you know, validity of that, but talk to me about like how you're doing it and, and some of the challenges and, and, you know, what do you say to people that think you, you know, eventually you won't be able to detect AI. Look, we're not trying to figure out an AI generated, um, you know, a George R. R. Martin book or short story or something. We're not looking for things like that. We're looking for fake news, right? And typically in fake news stories, right, in social media, there's keys to the words that don't make any sense. And other than that, I can't tell you when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I wouldn't expect you to call me the, the breakdown no, no. of it because it's a, it's a cat and mouse game. You tell your secret sauce, then right. they get over it. And it's just, yeah, I get it. Right. And, you know, when you're dealing with imagery, just like in audio, right, there's the parts that you hear and see, and there's the parts that computers hear and see. So back in audio-based days, my first uh, startup during the dot-com, we actually invented the first radio show on the internet that used inaudible noises to trigger pop-up, like little trivia facts over, the, over imagery. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have to program it in in the code you just had pops in the music that you couldn't hear that the software knew oh time to do the next little thing on the screen mm. right we actually won an award for that very cool well the same thing when it comes to deep fakes you can look at an image and go oh here's this body on top of in the space and head on top of this body right mm -hmm. and you think it's real but when you get down to the real pixelized level you can start to see where things fall apart our eyes can't detect it but a computer can and there's also lighting, shading, and other things that go into it as well. That's so. While again, you can never get a hundred percent. You always want to get that eighty twenty. Very fascinating. Okay, and I want to bring up one thing that I just saw yesterday on an interview is the Ice Coffee Hour with Graham Stephan, and he was interviewing Ty Lopez. It was a funny interview. But in any case, one thing that was very interesting in this 
um, that they discussed was the fact that today there are a whole bunch of like deep fake, um, deep fakes being put on social media. I see them a lot on Twitter. Even I've seen them like people run them as ads, right? It's mm -hmm. a Mr. Beast, a deep fake of him yep. talking about his new thing or Elon Musk talking about this new crypto you got to invest in or, you know, mm -hmm. Mr. Beast give doing a thousand dollar giveaway. You just got to do whatever. Right. So, of course, there's like those. And I think for myself, having seen a bunch of them, knowing deep fakes, knowing AI, like I'm, I pretty much can be like, yeah, okay, that's a deep fake. Like I might, there's some sort of detection and maybe that will go away as those get a little bit better. But right now I can detect a deep fake. What I think is more nefarious, perhaps that they, they brought up on this podcast that people are doing is beyond just deep faking, they will go to an actual podcast, an actual interview or something, take the conversation that actually happened. And essentially what they do is like if someone's talking about a brand of like protein drink or something that they use, they'll take the whole conversation and right up to the part where they mention what the brand is, they just deep fake that word and the rest of it's yep. completely legitimate, but they deep fake the word and then they run an ad campaign. Joe Rogan talked about my like protein thing or Mr. Beast talked about my X, Y, and Z thing. Like is your system capable of detecting like those finite things that a, a challenge that's something you're working on i mean i know this is like cutting edge like what what, what you know scammers are coming out cutting edge with but i'd love to hear your thoughts on that oh that's bleeding edge um no that's that's not something directly in our purview at the moment you know we're still working on meeting direct customer needs where they find value have issues yeah yeah right? whether it's whether it's monitoring alerting vetting uh stance detection right those are those are the big ticket items yeah. you know if if someone puts out one of those with you know joe rogan you know or elon musk saying buy this crypto instead uh -huh. rich would have a lot of impact since he's away yeah. at right the, the 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 thing is while we can't while it's almost impossible to detect it's a fake what we can do is make sure that the brand as the customer knows that this is out there right so if 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 you're if you're in the blockchain world in the crypto yeah. world right you want to almost be monitored you almost want to be monitoring for these types of things by whales to make sure that things are happening the right way and not having these issues yeah. right and and that's where it goes to you know we've talked to a number of partners about uh creating um versions of our platform that's designed to actually monitor crypto in a way crypto's never been monitored. Stop thinking about the numbers in crypto. Think about the FUDs and the fear and greed and all the other issues going on in the whales and what all these people are saying. Mm. Our software on top of that can could reveal a ton of very useful information versus just watching a chart with numbers going up and down. Right. And that's what we built a platform. Our platform is designed to have different front ends depending on the different business need. That is so fascinating um, and so, so cool. I think there's some massive value. You know, and of course you talk about crypto, but like there's also, I'm sure Wall Street would love tools like this, um, you know, monitoring like mentions of stocks. Like there's so many implications of where this is really, really mm -hmm. critical, I feel like. Um, one thing I would love to ask you, I know we're, I know we got to wrap up here, but what is one of the most challenging aspects that you guys faced when deploying and kind of developing some of the AI technology that was used in this platform? Yeah, we had to stop listening to the people that done it the same way forever. 
right? Sentiment. Mm-hmm. So if you look at, you know, you can devise very specific sentiment models and they work, right? Like we've got a sentiment model just for crypto and coins. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it works really well. It's very accurate. But the large language model is designed for crypto and coins. In normal social media world, we might be doing a sports customer and then we might be doing a TV show. Okay. And then you might be doing something in politics. So our large language models have to be more generic. Therefore, they're less accurate. They're run around 30%. But as I said earlier, I don't like 30%. I don't like 50%. I want higher. So we actually found a way to create a new type of sentiment analysis that gets us into the 70% range. Very. Right. And everybody said to me, well, no, you can't do it. This is what you got to do. And I kept saying, no, that's not how I think. I solve problems for a living. That's what I do. So let me solve the problem. That's awesome. Definitely a massive challenge. And like you said, right, people are saying you can't do it. A lot of people have tried. Mm-hmm. You were able to achieve it because of that mindset shift. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. Um, listen, I would love to have you on again. So many incredible insights. But um, as we're wrapping up, I would love for you to um, maybe tell people where they can find you and where they can find more about Echo Bar if they want to try the platform. I think this is something that a lot of our listeners would like their organizations could sure. get a lot of value from. So what's the best way for them to do that? Well, come to our web- website. Um, and you know, because we're a, a tech company and we're cool, we have to spell our name a little differently. So it's E-K-K-O-B-A-R dot A-I, right? So it's E-K-K-O-B-A-R. By the way, it is a Star Trek term. Nice. Spelled differently. I'm a star, I'm a total Star Trek junkie. So, um, you know, I had to have a little fun with that. It took us a year to actually get the name, <laughs> but that's a whole nother story. Uh, so... Uh, like I said, Echo Bar, E-K-K-O-O-B-A-R dot A-I. Come to the site. We've got a form you can fill out to get in contact with us. Um, you can look me up on LinkedIn as well. Reach out to me directly. Uh, we're in trials with a number of customers, um, as well as normal customers as well. Uh, so we've got a lot going on. We do focus on entertainment and sports, but you know, there's sponsorship issues. There's brand issues. I mean, there's so many different ways we helped a top five bank in the country with a marketing campaign that completely failed and they couldn't figure out why. And they spent over a million dollars and our software in five minutes told them exactly why it failed. So there's many different use cases. Come talk to us. We love chatting with people. So fascinating. I think this is incredible technology. Um, Also to the listener, I'll leave a link in the show notes for this. So if you want to try them out, you can go um, get that there and, uh, and go check out the site. But thank you so much for coming on. To the listener, thank you so much for tuning in to the AI Chat Podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have a fantastic rest of your day.